0: Hello, and welcome to DI Spy, the weekly podcast that uncovers what's really going on in the world of diversity and inclusion. I'm Dr.
1: Julie Humphreys. And I'm Natasha Whitehurst. And in today's episode, we're exploring employee resource groups. And we are very excited. We are joined by Joe Santana. Joe supports diversity, equity and inclusion leaders and equips them for the 21st century. He's chairman of the CDO Power Circle, a futurist and the author of several articles and books, including Supercharge Your ERGs and The New DEI and ERG Frontier. Welcome.
2: Pleasure to be here with you today, Julie.
0: Um, So, and, and Natasha, don't forget our Natasha. (laughs) So, <laughs> and Natasha,
2: yes, of course. Can't forget Natasha.
0: <laughs> so, uh, first of all, we're going to say, why did you enter the DEI and EIG space?
2: Yeah, well, a couple of years ago, I was in the outsourcing space. When I say a couple of years, I actually mean decades. <laughs> uh, and during that time, I always thought that DEI was an important topic, and I belonged to several committees. I was invited to sit in and provide some of my opinions and perspectives. But what I always struggled with was how do I make a really strong business case that will convince somebody like me who's responsible for a 70 to $80 million you know, profitability margin? And I came across the answer to that question a few years later when I was running my outsourcing group and noticed that as our targets went up, our ability to continue meeting those targets wasn't keeping up with the pace. And so I went back, did a little bit of research and found out that the reason why was because we were bringing in more women into the workplace and, than we had in the past. And our, our entire system for supporting people's success was not designed to support these new entrants into the workforce. It was designed to support basically a man who had come into the technical side of the organization to later on become a leader, but it wasn't designed to support someone who had come in through another part of the organization uh, and and get let them have that opportunity as well. So we made some changes and the impact was a 17% uplift Mm -hmm. in our profitability. So there I had my answer to my question. And then I started searching for other areas similar to that. And my question was always, where is the lack of diversity and inclusion keeping this organization from meeting its full potential? And how do you fill that? And so that became the launching pad because I now had both the passion side because I knew it was good for people, certainly uh, giving people more career opportunities. But I now had a strong business argument that I could make to any leader once I knew a little bit about their business and what their diversity position was.
1: Mm, that's really interesting. And I guess on this podcast, we we say and we talk about bringing um, diversity and inclusion back to basics. So for those that are unfamiliar, what are ERGs?
2: So ERGs are at you know the most basic. They're basically employee communities. So they are communities of people who share some social demographic aspect, who originally uh, in the United States, back in the 60s, in the mid-60s or so, these groups started out as essentially a place where people who were underrepresented inside the organization could support each other. And so two people might find themselves in the cafeteria, maybe another a third person, and realize that we're not the only ones like us that work here. We're just scattered in different departments. And they began to to group together and to support each other. And then over time, these groups evolved into resource groups where basically they provided each other with resources to help their careers, opportunities to meet people in the organization who can help them with their careers. So they took on that nature of supporting the employee who belonged to that particular community. And then most recently, they went on to become what some organizations call business resource groups or groups that now can also be leveraged to support the organization and being able to address the needs of new markets uh, that are out there, as well as be able to help them do outreach to bring more people from various underrepresented groups into the organization. So these groups are essentially a a community, again, of people who share some social identity aspect. But in terms of what they do and how they operate, that's been evolving over the years.
0: So, so how do organizations generally uh, use ERGs then?
2: That's a great question. And my answer in one word would be somewhat poorly. Uh, It could be done better. (laughs) And what I mean by that is uh, I know a lot of organizations that do use them very well. Like for example, this one pharmaceutical company that leverages their uh, ERG groups, not only to bring in more diversity and, and increase that diversity throughout the organization and the inclusion throughout the organization, they also were able to leverage these groups to bring in, and wait for it, a billion dollars of more business <laughs> Wow! And just by listening to these wow. groups and finding out what the market was thinking wow. and finding out how to drive their products uh, deeper into new markets. And that's not an isolated story. There, there, there are other stories like that from airline organizations and others who have found ways to leverage these groups. But when I said poorly in the beginning, what I mean is that in some organizations, because of the lack of imagination of realizing the potential that these groups offer, they end up using them only to do the basic sort of employee support that they did a couple of decades ago and also for PR purposes to say, look, we've got a women's group, we've got a vets group, we've got a black group, we've got, but they're not fully leveraging them. So I usually when I speak to leaders, tell them that your resource groups are probably one of your most underutilized resources that you have Mm -hmm. in your organization. You can get a lot more if you start investing a little more, you're going to get a bigger ROI out of them. And if you give them the opportunity to work with you on things that are of more substance, they'll come through for you.
1: And so thinking then about those um, really kind of extra savvy organizations that are, are using those ERGs um, effectively, what additional value are they providing?
2: Well, during COVID-19, I can tell you that a lot of organizations found that those ERGs were life rafts for their organization in terms of helping people to cope with all of the, you know, all the measures that had to be taken during the pandemic. Um, in many cases, it was the ERG communities that called people to find out how they were doing, and who put programs on to help mm. the increasing the increasing pressure, mental health pressure that people were feeling. So, they they really served that that particular uh, that particular uh, need pretty well. Uh, The other thing that these organizations did, as I mentioned before, in many cases, uh, they've helped the organization to expand their markets into a number of different areas that perhaps didn't occur to the leadership uh, of the organization before. And in many cases, these organizations also are very useful when it comes to identifying policies and practices that exist in organizations that are really not relevant anymore, not relevant to them or probably no one else. So an example that I'll give you is, in a lot of organizations, the various types of reimbursement policies that have been developed over the years, these were developed back in the mid 20th century. And when they were developed, especially in the United States, and I'm sure in the UK and in other places, they were developed in an era where you had a man who had a wife at home, and basically he did the work uh, and supported a, a family. And so the reimbursement policies reflect that and the things that they reimburse. So if you're in sales, for example, and you go out on a sales call, you have a couple of drinks and you buy a little bit of lunch for your uh, prospect, and that's fully reimbursable. But if you need to have extra child care because it's a Saturday and you're going to go out and meet a client, in most cases, that child care is not reimbursable. And yet there are more women in the workforce who have still have a lot of child care responsibilities. And even the men that are in the workforce today have more child care responsibilities than they, than they did in the past. The process or the rules that we use in order to determine what is reimbursable, what is not, what supports the employee's success and what doesn't is not in sync with mm-hmm. the society that we live in today. A lot of times leaders who are higher up on the food chain don't realize that because they're still living with a stay-at-home wife in many cases, or if they have, if they are a woman, they have a, a support system built around them. So they're unaware that their employee base uh, has a different needs set. Your employee resource groups know that. And in many cases, if allowed to, they're able to float that information up. And that information then becomes an important input that the organization can use to determine, well, maybe we should tweak a policy, maybe we should make changes. Because we're gonna, and maybe we're gonna reimburse child care, but what what impact will that have on our on our profitability numbers? Not only are we giving a woman and a man who has child care responsibilities more opportunity, but we're also increasing our overall revenue, as I did uh, years ago in my operation. So they're really good at being, uh, for lack of a better word, being that focus group. That allows you to understand not only your external world, your market, uh, as in the case of the businesses I mentioned before, as well as your internal world and how effective you are in supporting your employees' success.
0: So so I just want to pick up one of the things that you just said um, around if you resource the the ERGs properly. Um, so not in terms of reward, we'll come onto that in, in, in a little while, but actually resourcing those ERGs. What, what do you mean by that?
2: Well, what I mean by that is, are you as an organization supplying them with the context that they need in order to be more effective? So I know organizations that are members of my association where the CEO not only has meetings with their direct reports and their leadership team, but they cascade those meetings down to other groups, including their business resource groups or their or their ERGs and what they do is they present a lot about well these are the challenges that we think we're facing these are some of the some of the things that we're looking at so that gives the ERG that resource of understanding that bigger picture being provided that bigger picture conversely in those same organizations the person who is the DEI leader collects the information on what are the perspectives of these different subcommunities that make up the organization they feed that up to the management team so that the management team understands the dynamics. Just think about something that happened recently. Uh, in the United States, recently during the tail end of COVID, when we got to the part where the vaccines were coming out, people were getting vaccinated, and all of a sudden you had CEOs of major companies, well-known CEOs of major companies, touting, Well, we're going to go back to the office now. And If they listened to what was going on at the grassroots, they would have realized that there were tons of people who still had the problem of, is the school going to be open? Are my children going to be going to a school so that when I leave home, they're going to school? Or are they going to be sitting in front of a Zoom classroom and can I leave my toddler or even my tween at home by themselves doing this? Uh, Had they heard that, they would have known. Another one that I quote in my book, uh, which is another case of where uh, the organization is not listening, is uh, there was a a recent case in the United States where a blind man sued a large pizza chain because he was not able to use their uh, web interface in order to order a pizza and he basically had asked them before he sued them to please fix that they didn't do it uh and then eventually it went to court in fact it went all the way up practically the supreme court and the bottom line was the company was charged with basically violating the uh you know the act for americans with disability so they had to pay fines and then they had to fix their website anyway in the meantime they had a disability group that included people that had you know, limited eyesight. They could have told them this, but they weren't listening. So what I mean by resourcing is having that two-way communication open uh, and also providing a link to the organization's leadership, providing support for various types of events that these groups have, and, and making sure that they are informed of what's going on and that they're listening to what these groups are saying. So resourcing is in general each other and making clear to each other through this communication what the needs of the population that makes up the employee group are, as well as what it is that the organization leadership is targeting in terms of increasing its business or avoiding certain types of challenges that they see ahead. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think they, they need to be aligned to the corporate strategy, don't they? And that's the way to, to, to do that. Um, have you seen that work really well in any organizations?
2: Yeah. Uh, one of my members, I mean, a couple of them, but one that I'll cite because it's just top of mind recently is uh, freighted Health. Uh, they are a healthcare organization based out of Wisconsin. And they have been able to actually leverage their communication with their BRGs and the way that they resource their BRGs to do many things. Like during the great resignation that everyone was <clears throat> crying about that, you know, we're losing our employees and so forth. This company was enjoying what I would call a great embrace. They were literally picking up all this talent that all these other organizations were losing. Why? because they listened to their business resource groups and they knew what it was that employees and these talent groups were looking for. So they weren't pushing the you know, they weren't pushing this whole thing where you've got to go back to the office, especially for roles that don't require it. Uh, they they were more open and they ended up hiring people who worked remotely in the organization but who brought tons of talent uh, to the organization. The other thing they were able to do is they were able to address, Vaccine reluctance in their uh, community. So there are several communities in the United States, primarily African American communities, that are not comfortable in many cases. Just you know, rolling up their sleeve and taking vaccines because there's a long history of of their community being used for testing of new drugs and 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 products like that. So. So there's that natural reluctance that comes with that kind of, of of experience that some of them and their families have had in the past. So what uh, the hospital did was they connected with their BRG groups to determine how do you message this, how do you use the right spokesperson to gain trust and gain confidence. And the result was that their PSA messages. Not great responses. They were able to get people to come in, and get the vaccine, which certainly helped the health of the community. So I mean, I could go on, but this is an organization where there is a direct linkage between these groups and the organization to the degree that the person who was the executive sponsor of the, of each of these groups sits on the CEO's uh, on the CEO's team, so it has direct access to the CEO. It's also the same representative for any external communities for a particular group. So let's say, for example, we're talking about a women's BRG. This person sits on the CEO's team. They also sit on any committees external to the company that are women-focused committees. They also are their representative in other areas. So they provide this hub of connection of which the BRG is a part of and that way, their input is able to make it all the way through to these committees or from the committee back to the BRG or back to the uh, to the CEO of the company. So you can see it's a nice web mm. of communication that they've created. And I think that's an excellent example of how you set up a group in order to be able to get the most out of them, to leverage them and to support them in their success.
0: Mm. I think you make a really good point, Um bringing in exec sponsors to the conversation because um, typically, I'm, gonna say, is that right? I'm not going to say typically because that's unfair. Yeah, but I was going to say, so, careful. So, yeah, sometimes exec sponsors can just be sort of figureheads and and it's great because everyone says we need exec sponsors so everyone gives it exec sponsors but then are they really that voice at the table? So it's a really great idea of you saying, well, actually they can sit on external Bodies as well and bring that to it. Are there any other um sort of suggestions to to make these exec sponsors more active in their perhaps allyship?
2: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I've noticed. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go in the direction you went in, but I'm also gonna go in the opposite direction in terms <laughs> of executive sponsors. So executive sponsors, uh I, I wrote extensively about them in one of my books. Executive sponsors. The entire spectrum of an executive sponsor is from the passive figurehead who Mm. feels that by sitting in the meeting or by signing their name to a piece of paper that they automatically have given it some kind of, you know, halo of Mm. power. And that's, that's their entire role with the group. All the way to the other end of the spectrum where the executive sponsor is so involved that they literally usurp the role. Of the chair and they literally run the entire group now in one extreme in one extreme their value add is almost a zero and in the other extreme while they're giving a lot of value they're not allowing the opportunity for the chair or other leaders in the organization to develop because they're over managing they're over involved so i say that the sweet spot for an executive sponsor sits in the middle of that and in the middle of that is when the executive sponsor plays the role of, one, someone who communicates back to the to the CEO's table when, uh, when the BRGs are not there or the ERGs are not there, what these groups can do. So let's say they're talking in the table about, you know, we need to get a better understanding of this particular market. That's when this person can say, you know what? I sit in this group as their executive sponsor and we might be able to use them as a focus group so that they, they, they provide that opportunity or they're in another meeting and someone says, you know, we're looking for someone to do ABC skills and they say, well, you know, I know Natasha and she does, you know, all this stuff for our group and she looks like she's a high a potential, a high potential in that area that we might be able to tap into. And the other executive then becomes aware of the existence of Natasha and that begins a, a potential opportunity for the organization to get better use out of that resource and for the person to grow their career. The other part is when the executive sponsor also plays the role of coach to the leadership of the organization. So rather than taking over the, uh, the uh, ERG they coach the person who's chairing the ERG to become a more effective leader. And I always say to managers who are going into this role of executive sponsor, don't confuse being an ERG with a mentor. Mm. Being a mentor is actually helping someone through your experience, through your guidance. Being a coach is a little different. In some cases, you're coaching someone to develop skills that they may have at a level that you don't have. But if you ask the right questions and you create the right environment, you can get them to step up and to be able to do more. We you know, we see this in sports all the time. Half of the people sitting by the sideline could not throw a ball the way the player <laughs> does. But they're very good at making the player do their very best, right? Yeah. And that's a good coach. So I basically use that. And then the other piece is, in addition to helping uh, in that way, is connecting also the group to various types of opportunities for the members to develop uh, skill sets and so forth. So I look at it as being a coach, a talent scout, and a connector, a hub for information for the group. There's a number of these different roles that a executive sponsor can play that add value to the group. And the only thing that I'll add to this is the, the answer to the question of what's in it for the executive sponsor. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about any organization, there are there is a need for executive sponsors across various projects and efforts that organizations have. And unfortunately, even the senior most executives sometimes do not really know how to be good sponsors. What they do is they do exactly what the BRG executive sponsors do. They become a rubber stamp for the group that they're supposed to be sponsoring. Or they become an overbearing controller of everything that's going on in the (laughs) room, And they literally take charge completely. Mm. That middle ground, that middle ground that's important to the BRG or the ERG is also important to any role as an executive sponsor. So if you've got an executive doing that role who learns how to do it well, you've actually also trained an executive who now can be an executive sponsor effectively for a lot of other things in your organization.
1: So, I'm um, thinking. Then, ERGs have been around for a long time um, in lots of organizations. Um, what What does the future of the ERGs look like, and 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 how can organizations, you know, really take them to that kind of next level?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the future of ERGs. You know, I'm a, I'm a futurist, as you probably know from some of my work and my writing. And one of the things I don't do is actually predict the future, but what? <laughs> what I do is I look at what's going on around me and I determine what are the possibilities? uh, What, what are maybe two or three different things that can happen and of those two or three things that can happen, some might be more favorable than others. And so we want to prepare to avoid the worst and to pounce on the best, right? Mm. We want to be prepared for the whole thing. Uh, I think that first of all, organizations are moving And and they're lurching toward this multidimensional space of working. And I know that there's a lot of talk about hybrid work, but I think that's one step short of where we're actually going. Uh, If you think about all the different tools that are out there, the metaverse is becoming a big thing right now. Uh, Gradually, gradually, it's growing. And it's going to be like everything else, like chat GPT. Hmm. It seems like it jumped at us from nowhere, but actually it's been in the works for a while. It just wasn't adopted yet well-known and it couldn't do some of the things that it can do and all of a sudden it just hit that tipping point and i think that's what's happening also with the metaverse i think that uh right now post-covid you still have a large percentage of people that are working remotely you have a growing number of people that are becoming digital nomads so they work for a company but they live in some other country where they have a, a, a visa or a passport that allows them to work outside the country while living in their country, Uh, with all of these different things that are happening in the world, uh, I think that ERGs are going to continue to play an increasingly larger role as a community for where employees connect with each other uh, and create and preserve what is commonly called the culture. Because I think what's happening is that most of the cultures that we had in the past were They were basically based on a venue. Everybody came to this work site or everybody came to this office and they met around the water cooler. And that's how they began to connect with each other beyond just a meeting that was transactional to talk about the latest project. That's where they began to build trust. That's where they got to know each other in the cafeterias and so forth. In the absence of all that, how do organizations keep those important pieces that hold people together. And I think that the ERGs are are filling that space as they did during COVID when it came to supporting people who were literally you know sheltering at home and somewhat afraid for themselves and their families. These ERGs stepped up to the plate to become the ones that provided that that support. And I think likewise because of the way that they're set up there there's this sort of hybrid business social uh, phenomenon, that they are best set up to provide that that glue that holds organizations together. So I think that ERGs are moving into that space. And I think that listening to ERGs and learning from ERGs and working with ERGs is really important for leaders. You know, there was a survey, and I actually wrote these down because I didn't want to do them off the cuff. Uh, in 2021, Gallup did a poll that found that of Americans uh, said they were Republicans, 30% said they were Democrats, and 44% said they they were independents. Another study that was done of Fortune 500 CEOs found that 58% identified as Republicans, 20% as Democrats, and only 22% as independents. A study done of employees in general found that the employees were closer to the Gallup numbers for the population of the country. So my question to senior leaders is: Who do you think is more in touch with your market and your workforce—you or your employees? <laughs>
0: that's good employee point.
2: Re- and those employee resource groups are literally your window into that world. Yeah, and as your the doorstep. market, yeah, yeah, and as the market becomes more and more diverse, and it's as, as as populations become more diverse, that's going to change your markets, change your workforce, and it's only through those communities that organizations are going to be able to stay in touch with that and address that. So I think that resource groups are increasingly going to be tapped on Mm. to become also those uh, that uh, focus group that I spoke about before for the external and the internal uh, audiences.
0: I just want to, uh, there's a couple of things that I want to cover with you before we close out. So one is uh, we always ask our guests about a top inclusion, inclusive action. So that's coming soon. The, the, the other question that I wanted to ask you about is reward. So we get a lot of questions around um, these people who are in ERGs, they're volunteering their time. Um, how do you reward them? Any, any, any clues, any suggestions?
2: Yeah, there's an increasing move toward rewarding them, in some cases monetarily. Other organizations do it through training uh, and development opportunities. Uh, I'm a big proponent of rewarding them. I, I really believe they should be rewarded. Financially, and are, you mean? Financially. Yeah. And I think there are two big reasons why uh, they should be re- rewarded. Number one, most of the people that run these groups that are from the tend to have suffered some disadvantages as it were along the way and for an organization to turn around and say by the way here's an extra load for you to carry which is not going to be paid but it has to do with helping us become more effective I think that's a little bit of a stretch and some people are balking at that the other thing is financial a lot of people today as the economy as the economy tightens somewhat a lot of people today Find themselves not being able to make ends meet with a singular job that they have, so they take on other assignments, despite organizations, you know, policies about doing moonlighting work. Uh, there's a growing percentage of people that are doing that, according to peer research and other studies that are out there. So. If you're asking a person to do more for the organization, which means that they have to give up whatever pursuit or whatever thing that they do, either in their personal life or to financially support their family, to take care of something that's important to the organization, I think it's only right that the organization compensate them for that. Now that compensation can come in different forms, although a good friend of mine uh, who talks a lot about this says catch is king. Mm -hmm. So that's always the best way to pay people. But there are, you know, there's also training and development and other things that can help them to expand their careers and earn more by learning more, mm-hmm. as it were. But, but I think that it should be compensated in some form or others with obviously the preference being toward uh, making some kind of monetary uh, payment for mm. for those services
0: okay so that's clear then um it's the money the money talks uh right finally king. absolutely finally we um say on this podcast that inclusion is an action um it's a behavior mm. um you have to it just won't happen inclusion you you have to do something to make it happen so what is your top tip or inclusive action that you'd like our listeners to to take away with them
2: That's a great question because it's something that I've been writing about a lot lately. Ah, So one of the things that I think is really important in terms of inclusion that I think has been ignored uh, for too many years is the fact that the organizations that we have today, and I think I mentioned this earlier, the structure of these organizations and the rules and the policies in these organizations, what holidays we celebrate, what we do about various, these were all established years ago. In another century when the population mix was different and today what we're doing is we are literally you know metaphorically what we're doing when we bring in populations that are different from that population is it's like trying to shove an elephant into a house that was built for a giraffe right (laughs) and then telling and then telling the elephant lose some weight and try to maneuver you know between the narrow walls and the weak floors without making them collapse and so it's, again, the example that I gave of the woman in sales who can't get her childcare reimbursed, but, you know, the, the fellow can get his martinis, the fellow with the stay-at-home mm-hmm. wife can get his martinis reimbursed. We need to, if we want to make our organizations inclusive... We, we of course need to continue doing the work that we do to make people more aware and work with each other better. But we also need to change the structure of the house and truly build a house that's adequate for diversity. And then we can have true inclusion within that house.
1: Awesome, that was brilliant. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you spending some time with us um, this afternoon for us, this uh, early afternoon, morning for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, this has been super, Joe. thank you.
0: Yeah, thank- where are you based at the moment? New York. I'm in I'm in New York City. New York. How is it how is it? Is it good?
2: It's good. The weather is getting uh warmer. In fact, the, the 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 season, the spring season is coming much faster than in previous years. Usually it's in the upper 50s or so but we're peaking into the 60s 70s and even at oh. the 80s the other day yeah wow. yeah so it's getting warm fast good well, i don't know ble- if that's or bad that <laughs> might be warming. Yeah. You know? <laughs> true.
0: yes that's very true very true <laughs> thank you so much for your time uh, it's been great talking to you and i'm sure listeners are going to get a lot from that conversation
2: fantastic my pleasure my pleasure
1: You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.